0: Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. In order to stay ahead of your competition, a lot of your success rises or falls based on your current marketing plan. Get ready for the Mojo Marketing Edge Radio Show. Today, hosts Ira Rosen and Corey Michael Sanchez will open up your awareness of the many different ways to market your business and reap major results. Now, here is the team behind Mojo
1: Video Marketing Ira and Corey. Hello, everybody. This is Corey Michael Sanchez here, and we have Mr. Ira Rosen as well.
2: Welcome, welcome, and we have. A special guest with us today. We're going to get into some very interesting things, but thank you all for tuning in, and we have some amazing content. So last week we went over the Lead Mastermind,
1: the LinkedIn program that we've been using to get clients daily, and we're going to go over some of that here, right here, right now. In fact, we're going to introduce a very special guest in just a moment. And at the end of last week's episode, we talked about how do you follow up with all the lead, you know, the leads that you're getting? What's the best way to do that? We taught you a, a proven formula for LinkedIn mastery. We gave you the formula so you could start using it right away. Now, we're going to go into that at probably the end of the show. But first, we want to introduce our very special guest. He's a, he's a client of MojoVideoMarketing.com, and he's using our Lead Mastermind program right now. His name is Wayne Carroll. And he's the owner and CEO of an intellectual property law firm. He's, he's been dominating the LinkedIn over the last few weeks. Just got started in the program. He's using our proven special formula on exactly what we're doing in our own business and whatever our other clients are doing. And if you want that special formula, you're going to have to go and listen to last week's show because we go over it explicitly. So make sure you listen over the last couple of weeks exactly what we were doing, how we were doing it, because we give you all of the details on there. So uh, we're going to go ahead and, and uh, introduce Wayne. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Excellent. Very nice. So so tell us a little bit more about your business. Now you're getting ramped up as far as your law firm and you do intellectual property. So you do patents and copyrights and trademarks and you help people protect what is very dear to them and, and their company. So that That way they can really have a very profitable venture with their inventions and their brand. So I know you're just getting ramped up and and you've seen some huge explosions with your business using the lead mastermind. Tell us a little bit more about that.
3: Yeah. Well, I've been sending out lots of messages through LinkedIn. I have gotten over 250 responses back in the last couple weeks. That is huge. Lots of people I'm finding have need for what I offer. Before this, I was only getting a few responses from the marketing I was doing here or there, a couple appointments a week, and now...
1: So wait, wait, wait. Give me, give me a little background on that. So 250 responses, that's... Uh, you know, tell me more about that. That's people that are interested in what you do. Tell me, tell me some information about that.
3: Yeah, some of those are people that say, let's connect on LinkedIn and let's keep the conversation going. Some of them are saying... Uh, I need more of what you've got, and they're scheduling appointments, and I'm, I'm putting out there an offering. Mm. I'm offering them to have a conversation and to give them some analysis of their intellectual property, and I'm finding that a lot of people are hungry for that.
1: So you're basically just, you know, you're, you're cracking open LinkedIn, you're using our software... And you are just sending out messages to people, offering them, what, a free consultation, a free analysis, you know, get back to me on that. Is that kind of how it's going?
3: Yeah, it's a free analysis of their intellectual property. And I've had people that are currently working with patent attorneys, and they say, well, I never got an analysis of my intellectual property. I just went to my patent attorney and said, do this for me. And we didn't really analyze the whole scope of how I can better protect all of the intellectual property assets in my company.
1: Mm-hmm. Excellent, excellent. So, so this is the, what, the, what, the first couple of weeks that you're actually using the Lead Mastermind software that we created in this method, correct? Yes. Absolutely. And it's, it's made huge explosions. I mean, you told me in, uh, before that it, literally within a couple of weeks, we had, we had increased the amount of face-to-face with, with prospects by about 250, 300%. That's right. And
3: well, because I do federal law, I can go and work with people all across the United States. Mm -hmm. So I am talking with CEOs in New York City Mm. and San Francisco. I am also talking to CEOs locally. As you may have caught, CEOs is who I'm focusing on. And it's a great program that really helps you focus on your target. I love it.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And so now you're seeing huge spikes in the people that you're working for. You're connecting with people. I mean, in order to get these kinds of leads, I mean, do you think it'd be possible to find them anywhere else besides LinkedIn? LinkedIn is a great tool. I don't know
3: where else I would find this many people this quickly. It's just the perfect tool for what
1: I'm doing. Excellent, excellent, and so so it 's really nice so you're, so it 's just kind of a very organic way of reaching out to people um, you 've sent out over a thousand messages I would assume how many, how many messages have you sent out at this point to, to CEOs wor- you know nationally and worldwide over two thousand five hundred okay, so over two thousand five hundred you you got back two hundred and fifty responses so that 's about a ten percent response back. On people that are interested in your service that's actually really really excellent so now you've been booking appointments and have you and you've closed deals as a result of this correct and started working on people's uh, intellectual property yes that's excellent so where could you where could you find that i mean could you really do this any other way is this like the most um, amazing thing that you've experienced in your marketing as of yet in your company well, there's always another way to do
3: it. But the question is, what would that cost? Mm. You know, I could do national advertising, I could do huge campaigns, and I think I could get the same result if I spent enough money.
2: Okay, so let me ask you this What are, say, the three biggest mistakes that people make when it comes to their intellectual property? Well, real quick, I want to go into one more thing. So we're about to dive into that, Ira. But, um,
1: you know, so, so let, me, let me go back to that that statement you just made actually was really important um, because you were talking about how much money it would cost in order to get in front of people that, you know, that you're getting in front of right now. So if you were going to do this any other way, I'm just curious. If you're not, let's just say you didn't have LinkedIn. Let's just say you didn't have our software what would you have to do? I mean, would you have to cold call? Would you have to do direct mail? What would that cost? How much, how much manpower would you have to be you know, behind that? Tell me more about that.
3: Well, I think it would have to be a multi-pronged effort where you're doing magazine advertising for the magazines the CEOs read, since I'm focused on CEOs right? Here. You'd have to do um, different calling campaigns and different ways that salesmen typically work on to try to get in the door past the gatekeeper, Mm -hmm. right up to the CEO, and have that conversation. You'd have to be trying a whole bunch of different ways, and yes, it would be a big effort and a big manpower, as well as all the advertising budgets and all the follow-through time that it takes.
1: That's, and that'd be expensive. I mean, you know, how much would it cost to get in front of, uh, you know, let's just say we're doing magazine ads, right? And we're getting in front of, like, maybe Entrepreneur Magazine. That might be something you have to advertise in. and that, that would be national, right? There's other publications. But, I mean, what does it cost to really advertise? I remember we were spending money on print ads, and it was crazy expensive.
2: Yeah, I mean, I just recently spoke to a dentist, and he was spending $1,500 a month for a beautiful full-page ad, and he was in there for a whole year. And I said, well, how much? what kind of response did you get? And he said, you know what? At the end of one year, he said, I, I don't think I got one call. And so that's what's going on right now. People's habits of the way they consume information is completely different. People would much rather do other things like watch a video than read something. So, uh, And all the things that you rattled off there, Wayne, as, as far as some kind of a Uh, plan for marketing I get exhausted just I, I get exhausted thinking about it and I get and I get exhausted thinking about how much that would actually cost I mean it would be a small fortune to really launch something like that, yeah, and let me and there, ask, and there wouldn't be any, there wouldn't be any guarantee whatsoever.
1: Yeah. So I, I mean, that friend, he was was he um, advertising in Entrepreneur magazine or what publication was he in? Because that was fifteen hundred. To me, seems very cheap. Because I know at one point we we're advertising in the Business Journal
2: it was costing five grand a pop. Right. Yeah. And and right now, um, it, you know, in the world that I'm come from is uh, in regarding print. Uh, I have yet to see anything that's working currently right now in publications. It just it's just it's a thing of the past. I mean you have, Uh, All these, you have all these publications. The top twenty-five magazines and newspapers are shrinking every month right now. So it's really a dying media, and the reason is we're all looking. I mean, look at Newsweek magazine. They no longer exist offline. They're it's an online publication, and the reason is people have stopped reading. So you got to be very, very careful with your marketing. Ninety percent of the success of companies is your marketing, and you got to be extremely careful because right now, most things do not work. I would say that 5 to 10% of the things that are out there right now actually give you an ROI and actually work, which is pretty amazing because that's why so many entrepreneurs right now, well, 85% of them are gone within 12 to 24 months.
1: Yeah, so, okay, so we got it straight from Wayne. I mean, we're looking at a budget that would literally, literally cost you probably $100,000 a month if you really wanted to get in front of as many entrepreneurs and CEOs as you have. I mean, here in a month's time, you've gotten in front of 2,500. You've had 250 responses. I'm thinking if you want 250 people to call you, after you know, getting into publications, I'm going to take you a boatload of money. That's not cheap. And so here you are. You've gotten to the Lead Mastermind program. You have used it effectively to message out entrepreneurs. You're getting a 10% response rate on your messages that you're sending out using our, 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 our systematic um, method of doing this, of reaching out to very targeted people. And now you're lining up business, which is exceptional. And I think the time is now. I mean, there's so many businesses that need exactly what you have. They're looking for the information. They want to know about copyrights and patents, and the rules have changed. And they're looking to you, and now you're just kind of like a uh, a message from the heavens. You are coming to them through their message inbox and providing them with insight and property and you know intellectual property analysis, which is fabulous. So you know we're going to dive into that in a little bit because what you do is so very essential. And I just wanted to kind of ask you about your experience with LinkedIn because we've been talking about that over the last 2-3 weeks and how people are using it to fill your calendar and here you are an, you know, an IP attorney just doing it every single day and so would you say this is probably the most systematic way you could really invest your time and energy and money into getting daily leads?
3: Yeah, and it's not just my time, this takes a team,
1: even this because once I get so many leads I need a team to get it all done. <laughs> that's, well, and that's a better problem than sitting there, right? Just kind of twiddling your thumbs waiting for the phone to ring. I mean, that's, that's the opposite side of the problem. And, and that's what we're trying to avoid here as entrepreneurs. We are really effectively uh, filling calendars on a daily basis. And, and so I know you have a full team that's, that's responding back. And, and so you have this team actually filling your calendar for you. That's correct? That's right. It's a team
3: effort. We meet every day and talk about and assign the tasks, and we've got it all systematized, and we can always improve the system, but you just start with a system and improve it.
1: Yeah, so tell me, about a, tell me about your best phone consultation you've done so far. So you, you sent a message out, you got a response back, they put it into your calendar. Tell us a little bit about maybe one of your favorite appointments that, you, you know, maybe somebody you're about to do business with as a result of LinkedIn lead generation.
3: Um, there's one person that uh, didn't hire me, and let me explain why, but he's the first one that comes to mind, a great entrepreneur over in, in, uh, in Silicon Valley. And once I talked to him, I found out he had filed a patent through another patent attorney when it was already past the deadline. And he was just impressed that I gave him so much value that in that one consultation, and I found that with a number of people. So not everybody that I talk to is right at the right place but I know he's going to come back to me, I'm going to stay in front of him, and he's a serial entrepreneur, which means he's going to keep going at it, and I'm going to be there as his
1: his attorney when he's ready, because I provided that value for him already. Perfect. So you reached out, you offered him that consultation, he took you up on it, you gave him some amazing advice, some that he can use immediately, and now you have the future of working with not just one, but a whole... A, a, a slew of them in the future, which is amazing. I mean, repeat business is always great, and I, you know, you just gotta imagine. I mean, he's in Silicon Valley. I mean, there's tons of intellectual property going on there. Tons of uh, IP, you know, attorneys. I would imagine, and yet here you are, this uh, this amazing guy reaching out from Arizona and getting in front of him. And and I'm I'm sure you would have never met him any other way, even if you had gone to all these networking events. All across Silicon Valley. I mean, it'd probably be impossible to meet this guy, don't you think? That's right. A lot of attorneys think that you have to be
3: physically where your clients are. That's the old model of doing things. The world is flat now. Mm -hmm. I'm reaching out, and I have had consultations with people in other countries already, and we are working on putting together the final details of those deals to work together. So it's certainly, I'm reaching out to people not just in the U.S., all in
1: other countries as well. That's excellent, excellent. So uh, yeah, and we're, in just a moment, we're actually going to come back. We're going to take a short break here, and we're going to actually come back in just a moment, and we're going to talk about intellectual property because this is something that I think all entrepreneurs should really be equipped with knowledge on. If you've got an invention, if you've got a brand, if you've got a, a trade secret, you've got a formula you want to protect, then you really have to get a handle on patents and trademarks and copyrights and and you have to know your stuff and that's why it's great to have you know phenomenal people like yourself that we can reach out to and ask the hard questions because I can tell you this uh or not not filing with enough time or not giving them the right details or not even filing at all has cost I would say probably billions of dollars over this you know the span of the you know the patent office being existence maybe even trillions by not properly protecting your stuff. So we're going to go on a short break. We're going to come back here in just a moment, and we're going to learn all about intellectual property from Mr. Wayne Carroll himself. We'll see you when we get back.
0: Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Are you a single parent trying to create the balance between home life and work life? You may be running a successful business, but how are your relationships with your family and children? If you're one of the thousands of people trying to juggle it all, tune in to Straight Up with Chris, real talk on business and parenthood hosted by Chris FSU. Chris is the portrait of the success story, coming to the U.S. with no language skills, founding and growing several businesses, while raising his daughter from age 7 to adulthood as a single dad. Listen every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Voice America presents a new kind of health awareness talk show. The Sharon Kleiner Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. Show host Sharon Kleina interviews leading scientists to discover how each of us can become proactive in protecting our personal health environment in an increasingly unhealthy world. Every show offers new information that could save your life. The Sharon Kleina Hour is health from an environmental perspective, your ultimate source for a personal environmental lifestyle. Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel and Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now. 1-866-472-5787. And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling voiceamerica.com. Listening to the Mojo Marketing Edge. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to connect at mojovideomarketing.com.
1: Now, back to this week's show. All right, all right, all right. Corey Michael Sanchez here. Mr. Ira Rosen. We're in studio with a very special guest, Mr. Wayne Carroll, who's the owner and CEO. He's a patent attorney, and his company is Intellectual Property Law Firm. And he's talking to us about his experience with LinkedIn and how he did it, and how he's crushed it over the last thirty days using LinkedIn lead generation. So he shared with us his formulas. He's getting. 10% conversion on the prospecting that he's doing, meaning he reaches out to 100 people, he gets 10 to respond back. He's lining up meetings, he's closing deals, he's getting on the phone with people nationally and internationally, and he's doing a great job of it. And now we're going to dive into... His expertise, which is intellectual property. So we're going to just go through this because this is all stuff that entrepreneurs absolutely need to know. They need to know how to protect their ideas and their inventions. And Wayne Carroll is just the guy to do that. So Wayne, we're going to throw it over to you. Why don't you give us a brief introduction starting off with what is intellectual property? Thanks, Corey. Intellectual property most attorneys are going to tell
3: you that it's patents, trademarks, copyrights, and trade secrets, but that's actually what protects it. The actual intellectual property is those great ideas you have for making a new product or a new process, the brand itself that you have, that's, and the, uh, the things you produce, your content, your videos, your, and then those secret things that you don't want your competitors to come into your business or you don't want them to walk out the door with your employees. That's the actual value. That's the property. Mm-hmm. Like the deed on your house is not your property. The house is the property, but the deed helps protect your exclusive right to that.
1: Got it. Okay, good. So, so we've got patents and copyrights. We've got trademarks. You know, tell us the difference because this is uh, something that I think a lot, it, it evades the entrepreneur as far as their knowledge about which one to get. They're like, I need to protect this, but which one do I go for? So tell us a little bit about the difference in that. Thank you.
3: The the difference is that patents, they protect how to do something. So a new machine, a new process, a new material, that's what a patent protects is how something's done or how a machine works. Then copyright is going to protect things that you think of what Disney produces. You think of Harry Potter. Those are content, things that people are interested in just copying. Uh, whether it's online or, or uh, in, in other ways that they're going to copy. Mm-hmm. Then trademarks protect <clears throat> brands. So the brand that you have, what is your business identity? So you can think of trademark protection as identity theft for, protection for businesses. And then trade secrets are those valuable business secrets that you don't want to walk out the door. A big one that most people miss is their customer list.
1: Oh wow!
2: I didn't yeah. even know that. Did you realize yeah. that, Ira? No, that's really you know we're getting into some areas here that really apply to everybody. It's not just you know you you came up with that new that new product or service that maybe a piece of software, but this is this now you're casting a net for all entrepreneurs. And um, there's a term called you know there's a definition of R and D, and most people think it's research and development, but it it what it really is is nowadays it's called rip off and duplicate and we live in that kind of a world, people need to be very careful about their customer list because that's your business, that's your community, and when that gets compromised, you've got some serious, serious problems. And Wayne, I'm sure that over the years you've seen some very interesting things, some, some uh, you know, I would call them nightmare stories. What, give, me an, give me a couple stories of things that have happened where people were negligent in taking care of their intellectual property. Sure, Ira. There's one that comes to mind right away. There was uh, someone who
3: had a business, they were struggling as an entrepreneur, and then they got some great recognition, some awards, and that recognition kind of launched them nationally, and then they had a problem. They got a cease and desist for their business name. Just when their business name got known, they found out somebody else had it and was telling them they had to stop using it. That business identity that they had built and worked so hard to build was now they're gonna have to shut it off, shut down and start over with a new brand.
1: Ooh, that's expensive. It takes a lot of time, right? You build up momentum, and you gotta shift it, rebrand and all that stuff. I mean, what would have uh, solved this for them? And give us a couple things. Let's just say you wanna you know, do a quick search and make sure that you're not stepping on anybody's toes. You're trying to figure out you know, exactly what to name your company. And then the next step is how do you really make sure you know, and I would assume that would, that would mean dealing with somebody like yourself. But is there a quick, simple way to do this, the down and dirty way, if I'm an entrepreneur, I just don't want to, you know, do something that's creating a brand that's competition or, or, or a brand that's, that already
3: exists out there? Certainly. There's some things that every entrepreneur can do. They may seem obvious, but they don't always get done. One of them, of course, is search Google for the brand name that you're looking at. Mm-hmm. Also, search in the patent and trademark office, USPTO.gov, for United States Patent and Trademark Office. It's not as easy to search because they don't have Google working for them, but it's it's a place to look. And then if you found something that you're really serious about and you've already grabbed the domain name, then I can do a very thorough search for people when they're serious about a name and they really want to know what things are going on. Because it's not just things that are easy to find on Google and it's not just things that are easy to find in the patent and trademark office, there are other ways that could land you in trouble and I search all of those for people before we get started.
1: Okay, excellent. Excellent. So, so you really protect everybody's butts from having to go back and get sued and, and rebrand their company and all that stuff and and I, you know, I know the rules have changed recently when it comes to intellectual property and patents especially. So tell us a little bit about how, how the rules have changed in regards to that. Certainly. So last year in 2013 the
3: law finally went into full effect that we are now in a first to file situation. You still need to be an inventor to file something, you can't just rip off somebody else's and file it, at least legally, and <laughs> the, uh, this, this is a big change. It used to be the first to invent with a bunch of conditions and such, but now it's really clear, which that's the one good thing about it is that it is clear. The first one to the patent office with the idea gets the patent. And before, a lot of inventors, and they still do this, they don't necessarily understand that just because they came up with the idea first, it doesn't mean it's theirs. You have to file a patent. You'd never get a patent without filing something.
1: Okay, got it. So you have to file it. So... Gone were the days that said, hey, I wrote this down in my notebook, I date and time stamped it, this was five years ago, now you're filing for it? No, this is my invention, even though I never filed for it. So that's over, right? That's right. I still
3: encourage everybody to keep that inventor notebook, Mm -hmm. document it, because the question might come up, did you really invent it, or did you rip this off from the other guy
1: ah so (laughs) so essentially okay so give me more details about that I came up with a you know I had a amazing dream I woke up all of a sudden I had this crazy idea I knew it would work I knew it was marketable how do I really keep that inventor notebook what do I have to do well you want
3: to write down the idea in enough details that somebody else could actually take it and produce or use what your idea is okay keep it confidential you know, get a stamper, write in red ink, confidential on it, and then also get somebody who you trust, maybe somebody that uh, is in your business and working under a non-disclosure agreement to review it and sign it so that you've got a witness. Now that's the same process in the old way, but it's still valid because you still want to document Mm -hmm. that you have witnesses that you had this idea at this time, in case somebody says, no, you ripped it off from me.
1: Ah, okay, which I assume happens all the time, for sure. And give me, give me some more uh, details on that. At what point can you file? Let's just say you have a, an idea, and it's an idea for something. It's, it's a big idea, but you don't have any mechanicals on it yet. You just got the idea. You know, at what point do you start pursuing a patent? Well, once you have the idea st-
3: in a state where you know what to produce... Some ideas are simple and you don't really need to do testing to know it's gonna work. Other things you kinda need to do a prototype and test it to find out how well it's gonna work. You don't have to have a prototype before you file something in the patent and trademark office.
1: Ah, okay, got it. So you don't need so you don't need any like draw do you need um do you need drawings or anything like that of like what it is or just like a description or something? We do
3: need drawings that and if those aren't produced, that's part of the process we go through is making sure those are produced in the standard for the patent office.
1: Okay, got it. So if I had, a, uh, if I had a, um, an idea for a spaceship, I would need to supply some drawings of this spaceship or something like that? I mean, you know, how, how detailed do I need to be?
3: Well, it depends on the details of your patent. Right. What
1: is it that you
3: have invented that's new? It does need to be new and not just uh, an obvious change off of something that somebody else has done. Mm-hmm. That's the standard the patent office is looking for.
1: Is this really new and not obvious? Got it. Okay. Sounds good. Sounds good. So let me ask you this, though. If, if the rules have changed and it's now first a patent, if fat, patents don't, I mean, they're not, they're not free, right? They do cost some money. So do you think this kind of separates it and makes it harder for the little guy um, to, to, to really get you know, uh, intellectual property protection because maybe bigger corporations they have more, more resources they can go in there and they can start filing and, and patenting and you know, maybe because it costs money you know, to get that process going maybe the little guy can't do it as much so what are your thoughts on that?
3: well big corporations are like big ships they don't turn very fast And so the little guy can have the advantage if he knows how to use it and get to the patent office quickly. Because a big corporation, they've got this committee and that committee and this procedure and that procedure before they get to the patent office. So the little guy can get there faster in some cases
1: because they don't have to go through all those committees. Interesting. Interesting. Well, that's fabulous to hear. And, you know, I've, I've got a couple questions for you, though, because, you know, in the end it's It's really not even about having the, the the protection right, the patent you really have to uh, you get it, but now you got to enforce it right That's the biggest thing. so you know what are the what are the biggest ways that people get get kind of screwed when it comes to enforcing their intellectual property, the patents that they've had, or you know I mean because at the end of the day it really comes down to who has the most amount of resource, who has the most money right um so what how can people really make sure that they can? protect their their IP effectively. Well, most
3: businesses don't want to get tangled into a patent dispute. Mm. So by having a good patent, their opportunity is going to be oftentimes better to take a license than to go into patent litigation. Uh, It does start from the strategy from the beginning, making sure the patent you file has good claims that are as broad as you can get. Mm -hmm. Not too broad because then they'll get attacked, but not so narrow that somebody can easily get around them. Mm-hmm. So, the strategy for good licensing starts right from the beginning of how you are drafting and preparing
2: your patent. Got it. Okay, got it. Ira, did you have a question over here? No, I think this is a very, very uh, extremely valuable because everyone who is out there listening, you know, you have intellectual property whether you realize it or not, your processes, the way you do things, your systems. Your database, um, when, you, when you have employees, you know, you've, got, you've always got the, the risk of uh, them taking your database or taking your intellectual property and, you know, and starting their own company. And I've seen this really many, many times over the years, and, I'm, and Wayne, I'm sure you've seen that way more than I have, where all of a sudden someone's uh, database gets hijacked and they didn't have non-compete, non-disclosure agreements. Uh, in place and so you know what have you seen something like that recently that really stuck in your mind
3: yes I have I've seen situations where doctors are working together and one of them leaves and takes the whole client database and there was nothing in place now they often file a lawsuit hoping they can get something done but that lawsuit goes nowhere because they didn't protect themselves they didn't get the agreements in place and they lose great value that they could have protected and they could have set up there's limitations to everything, but if you set it up properly you 're going to get way more value and protection than with not nothing written
1: got it okay so so basically you 're saying if you have an idea or you have something you want to actually protect like a, a patent you should you should only you should really get it. Um, kind of reviewed by somebody you trust, right? And then signed off on, so date and time stamps it, you stamps it, so you're the inventor. And then you should file for the patent, and then, you know, how does it go, go with your employees? So let's just say you want to protect yourself and, you know, maybe your customer list, maybe your patents, maybe your other stuff from, from your employees from walking, walking off with it. I mean, what should you really have in place to really make sure that happens effectively?
3: You want to have in place agreements as part of the employment agreement that are going to have non-disclosure and non-compete. And it's going to depend on each person how much of each of those you have. Mm -hmm. But the non-disclosure, especially if you're uh, inventing new processes, you want to make sure they can't disclose those to other people. There's actually laws set up where you can, if an employee of yours is going to work for a competitor, you can actually stop them from doing that based on the idea that there's no way they can not reveal all that knowledge they have mm. and so basically force them to go into something that's not so directly competing
1: well how would you do that? I mean would you, would you go to uh, somebody like yourself and you file um, a lawsuit or I mean what's the first steps of, of making that happen just you know in the event that it does I mean what we're talking about here is protecting yourself so you never know so you want to you prepare for any eventuality so let's just say that arises you got somebody they've learned so much from from the things that you have provided, your systems, your processes, all of that stuff. Now, um, they've got your information. They're leaving. They're going somewhere else. You find out they're working for a competitor. They're about to start working for a competitor. What's the first steps?
3: Well, if you've got everything in place, then yes, you need to get to the court quickly and file a lawsuit and ask for a preliminary injunction, something right away that's an order saying, you've got to put... Put, put everything on ice until
1: we get this straightened out. Mm, got it, okay. So once you get this preliminary injunction, then that means they have to effectively stop what they're doing or stop moving in that direction? Right. I,
3: there are cases where somebody has been hired by somebody and there's an injunction in place, so they basically sit at home waiting for this lawsuit. They're probably getting paid a salary in the meantime, but while they're trying to work out how much you know, is this person even allowed to work for this competitor? Mm-hmm. And how are we going to protect the trade secrets
1: right. of where they left? Got it. Okay, sounds good. This is, all, this is all very interesting and intriguing information. I mean, at the end of the day, you hope you never have to enforce it. Right, you've got this non compete, non disclosure. By the way, if you're not getting those from from your people, and and you have processes in place, make sure you, you make sure you get that in place at the very least, because that, you know, I would say even having one of those, you know, Ira, you've been in business a while. It's almost like even, a, you know, not only is it litigious, judicial, but it's also psychological, right?
2: Having those yeah, in place, yeah, very much so because. Um, you know, we bring new people on. I've done this with all the companies I've had over the years. Uh, within the first two days, we have them fill out an NCND and a non-disclosure because uh, you just never know. And it's always that one person. You've, you know, if you drop, you, if you drop your guard, I've seen this many times where you know, crazy things happen in business, and you've got, you know, an ounce, that old, an ounce of prevention's worth a pound of cure is so true, because you've got to, you just got to cross your T's, dot your I's, and it's the little things that will crush you, because a lot of times, the little things are really the big things, and it's, you know, I've seen this, I've you know, I, I, I saw somebody once lose $2 million in a lawsuit because they didn't have those two simple things in place, and it took them three years to recuperate, and they barely, they almost went out of business. But Wayne, what, what would you say is the biggest, uh, the, the single biggest mistake that people make when it comes to their IP?
3: It's not acting. It's not getting those things in writing, whether it's applying for a patent, uh, knowing what it is that they've got that's copyright protecting their brand. It's that early stage protection that's the biggest mistake. I've seen people where they try later on, they go, oh, well, now that we've survived the first couple years as a startup, we better get those employment agreements in place. Well, when they approach somebody who's been working for them for two years and say, we need you to sign this, and they say, you know, I'd rather start my own with all this knowledge that I have and
1: I have no non-compete And out the door goes two years of
3: of hard work.
1: Yeah. Got it. Well, we'll, we're going to take a short break right now, and we're going to come back and talk more about intellectual property, patents, trademarks, copyrights, how to protect yourself, and really how do you protect yourself from others that want to encroach on your own ideas. We're going to take questions from the audience, so we're going to be taking those as well. So we'll see you back here in just a moment on the Mojo Marketing Edge.
0: Talk, talk, talk. talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Listen for MD Radio on the Voice America Variety Channel. That's Muscular Development Radio. Every Monday, your host, Sean Ray, will take you inside the world of bodybuilding and health and fitness. The show will feature Hall of Fame bodybuilders, trainers, judges, and the future champions of tomorrow. Plus, you'll be invited to participate in our call-in Ask the Pros feature. And our nutritional spotlight will feature products that can help you achieve your fitness goals. MD Radio is broadcast live Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brains firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to The Mojo Marketing Edge. To reach the show today, please call 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to connect at mojovideomarketing.com. Now, back to this week's show.
1: All right, we are back. This is the Mojo Marketing Edge. This is Corey Michael Sanchez. We have Mr. Ira Rosen here. And also a very special guest, Mr. Wayne Carroll, who is the owner and CEO of Intellectual Property Law Firm. He is a patent attorney. He's here with us. He talked at first about his experience with LinkedIn prospecting, about how he's been crushing it recently, getting a hold of CEOs worldwide, nationally as well, all using LinkedIn. And then we went into some really in-depth questions about what is intellectual property? How do you protect yourself from your employees? What are the biggest ways you can potentially get screwed uh, if you don't have the proper filings? We also talked about how the rules have changed when it comes to patents and filings. So we're going to go through and we're going to take some questions from the audience. And we've got a couple here. And uh, if you would like to dial in, you could always dial in and also reach us at connect at com. And we look forward to that. So let's start with this. You know, I'm I'm uh, I'm a new entrepreneur. I'm starting a business with my family. What are the you know I I'm I'm starting a business with uh, with a couple trade secrets of mine that I've learned over the many years and produced. How do I protect my? Do I need to protect myself from my family? What do I need to do here? That's a great question.
3: Oftentimes people think the people they're in business with, there's trust there, and therefore they don't don't need things in writing. Well, with trade secrets, if you don't show that you're protecting them, then they're not protected. There have been cases where uh, companies have said, oh, yeah, we have a great trade trade secret protection program set up, and it turns out they weren't following their procedures, and so the court said, well, you don't have a trade secret because you didn't follow procedures. This is the same with family members. You've got to treat your business like a business, even if you're doing it with family, and put those agreements in place, even though it's family.
2: You know, I think that's important because a lot of times it's real easy for an entrepreneur, they treat their business almost like it's a little bit of a hobby, and they've got to be serious about their business. If you're in business to win, you know, and and, and businesses like sports, you're either winning or losing, you've got to do the right things, and you've got to pay attention to the little details because those are the things that will absolutely take you down. Uh, when So we've got a caller here that asks the question, when is it advised that you don't need a patent? You know when, what, when would that arise? Well, there are some times where you can keep it
3: secret. So one thing that comes to mind often is Coca-Cola's secret recipe and other companies that have secret recipes. If you've got a secret recipe and you think you can keep it secret, it can last a lot longer than a patent, and it doesn't make sense to patent. You're still going to spend some money putting some security around that, putting the agreements around that, but it can last a lot longer, and a patent only lasts for twenty years. Twenty years is a pretty long time, but if you can get a hundred years, like Coca-Cola has about a hundred years, you sure. might as well do it.
1: Yeah, that's exceptional, and you know, it's it takes a lot of forward thought to really do that, right? Because you know, you, Coca-Cola hears they could easily patent it and they have twenty years protection, and then after that, just like you know, anybody else can come in and start reproducing their their model. And uh, so, yeah, you got to really think about these things, I think, before you just kind of like do it, right? If once you submit uh, a patent, right, is that, is that kind of over? Is it just out in the open or, or what happens there? Does it actually need to get accepted and approved? Can you retract it? I mean, how does that, how does that take place? Well, patents, when they're first filed, are not public.
3: They're, until they're published, they automatically publish at 18 months unless you file something saying don't publish. We have treaties with other countries that require us to publish at 18 months, and you can opt out of those treaties and not go international. But uh, patents do become public. If you cancel and pull everything back before that publication, you could still keep it secret. But most patents go to publication, and therefore what you've filed becomes public record. Other people can use it, even if you don't get a patent.
1: Got it. And so let me ask you this. And by the way, if you're listening to this and you're wondering, why are we talking about patents? I mean, this is the Mojo Marketing Edge. Well, this is the biggest thing you got. You have to know this because in order to properly market your company, your invention, your brand, you really have to know how to protect it. And I don't know about you, I think people always kind of like hold back. They're like, I don't want my competition to know about this. But if you have the right protections to it, then you could go full bore and feel very comfortable with what you have there. And that's big. So this is this is a whole thing is we want you to have momentum in your company. We want you to reach acceleration. And we want you to market the, like crazy. And one of the best ways to do it is to know 100% that you've got, you've got protection backing you up. And so that's why we're talking to Mr. Wayne Carroll about this phenomenal stuff. And and you, you said something about international, right? Treaties with international uh, companies and in other countries. Um, so how does that work? I mean, let's just say I go through all the, um, the effort and I, I file a patent. I get that approved and all that stuff. It gets filed. It goes public. And, I mean, does that mean it's automatically put into those other countries? Or do I have to go through another process over there? Do I have to do it after I file in the U.S.? Do I do it at the same time? How does that work? Well...
3: You have to enter into these treaty agreements within typically one year from filing in the U.S. or your first filing. So there are deadlines and time frames for each country, and it's a process we lay out for clients so we can make a whole plan to go in different areas of the world and strategically protect the right places
1: for the most bang for your buck. Got it. Okay, got it. So is it, it, I mean, is it going to cost like twice as much to do this, three times as much? Does it depend on how many countries you want to go into? Does it cover a certain amount of countries when you do this? Well, you can only get a
3: patent in one country. Uh, There's the uh, European Union, where you can do a bunch together. But uh, there's really two big economies in Europe, UK, and Germany. So you have to look at each situation of of what really makes sense but you do have to get patent protection in each country and each one has its costs. some are more expensive than others Japan typically has a higher cost to get a patent there's ways to get to follow on after the US and get a patent in Canada for very inexpensive I've got that system set up and it does it varies country by country but there is a cost for each country
1: Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay, got it. And, and what does it usually range? I mean, is it, is it different for each country? Is there kind of a, a set protocol on the amounts? I mean, how, how does the pricing look in, a, in comparison to when you're filing in the United States? Well, it's
3: usually a few thousand dollars more, maybe four three to 5000 to get into the other country, and then it depends on how much are we going to have to do in that country they examine patents. Patents are not like applying for a driver's license, where if you check all the right boxes, they give it to you. Mm -hmm. They examine it, they look at it, and there's a whole process. And there are ways to use the uh, filing in the U.S. and getting the time frames just right to save you money in some other countries. If you've gotten one patent office to give you a green light, it's often easier to get another patent to give you the green light, and easier means less money. Got
1: it. Okay, very cool. So uh, so let me ask you this. What are the countries I, sh- I, could, I should go for? Let's just say I've got something that could really work internationally, almost anywhere. I mean, is there ones I should focus on? I mean, do I do a blanket effect? I mean, let's just say I'm working on a budget and I don't have, like, unlimited resources. What would you recommend? Well,
3: one thing is there's a patent cooperation treaty that gives you some extra time, when you enter into the Patent Cooperation Treaty, you get a couple extra years, or depending on your time frames, but you get some extra time to develop and to raise money or to sell a bunch of product before you actually have to take the final step in each country. Uh, look at the economies, where you want to sell. Look at where it's produced and strategically pr- protect. You don't need to catch, capture 100% of the markets that you want to go after. If your competition is restricted to 20% of the countries or 20% of the GDP, they're probably not going to do a major launch competing with you in those 20%. So, there's a lot of strategy behind it. We work with people to develop that strategy specifically for their product. One quick example is South Africa. For... Most of Africa, a lot of things go through South Africa and South Africa is a fairly wealthy country compared to other African nations. So that's one that really makes sense if you're going to be in that region of the world to do South Africa and you don't necessarily need to file in all those other countries. South Africa also has a very good legal system Mm -hmm. Uh, and so those are all factors of how is the legal system, what is the economy and where are things produced and shipped.
1: Got it. Okay, very nice. So, so there you have it. That's a little bit on international intellectual property, and I want to dive into something that's really near and dear to Mojo. But let's just say you have software, right? As we do. I mean, how does it go? Let's just we're we're talking about code here, and what would you need to do in order to protect software? Because as far as I know, if you just take a software and you change a little lines of code, then you know it's it's different, right? I mean. How do you really protect yourself without going really overboard on what you have? Right. So
3: I hear this question not just with software, but with a lot of people. Of Can't somebody just change it and they throw out some percentage? There is no percentage. That's, that's one of those myths that you can change it by a certain percentage. Mm-hmm. It c- comes down to the claims that are in the patent. But if you think of it as like you have a linebacker protecting your quarterback, your quarterback's sh- the... That's the valuable property, and the linebacker is the patent. Well, you don't just want one linebacker. You want as many as you can get. And there are no rules and patents of how many you can get, like there are on the football field. You can line up 10 linebackers if you want to get 10 patents. So looking at are there specific areas of where you've innovated, and we can differentiate one from another. So that's one good way to really protect it. And we look at the strategy, what is your software worth? should affect how much protection you're going to put around it.
1: Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay, so so obviously, if it's worth more, you've, you've invested a lot of R&D into it, you would definitely want to... Would you patent it? Would you trademark it? I mean, what are we doing here?
3: Well, we're talking
1: about patents
3: Okay. specifically right now. Now, a trademark is going to cover your brand. Mm. And if you look at how much you're investing in your brand, how much your brand is worth to you, or how much it would cost you if you had to... Rebrand if you've got a cease and desist and a lawsuit coming down your neck saying Hey, you've got to stop using your brand and pick a new one. What's that going to cost you?
1: Mm, Yeah, exactly Absolutely, okay good. So so software you would definitely you would patent the 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 software you would protect it trademark Your brand and all that stuff. Okay. This is starting to make sense and uh, you know Let's just say somebody comes into the space and they've got something similar but it's, you know, I mean, how do you really prove this? I mean, they'll just say, no, it's different. You know, I mean, what <laughs> you just sue them and then just go, I mean, what's the process like? Because I could see it getting really complicated, really fast and costing just a ton of money. Well, whenever you have somebody operating in your space, that's
3: great. It's validation that you're on to something good. Mm-hmm. And you look at that as an opportunity not necessarily a threat. (laughs) That is a lawyer speaking
1: right (laughs) (laughs) there.
3: Well, the opportunity is to license them. Not an opportunity for the lawyer necessarily, (laughs) but an opportunity to license them and think of them as a potential customer. So you want to be careful how you proceed and make sure you're thinking the whole strategy, not just be running around with a hammer and trying to smash people.
2: Yeah, and a lot of this is, uh, you bring up a really good point. It's about collaboration. And we've done this with people that are in a similar space uh, as ours, and we we partner up with them and we have them, we turn them into resellers. We turn them into strategic partners. Uh, we turn them into joint venture partnerships. And that's really, th- that's another way to approach this rather than just me, me, me and going it alone. Now, if you have, and of course, if you have intellectual property, You definitely want to protect it, particularly if you're going to work with other groups, but not to forget the opportunity of working with those that are in the same same areas that can help you leverage your business. So that's really a good point. It is all about business strategies. It's not just one size fits all because what you're talking about here is how to swim through shark-infested waters and how to get to the other side without getting eaten alive, which is nowadays, very, very easy because there's there's a, an abundant amount of sharks, uh, a lot of big great whites floating around in the water. So you just got to be extra careful. Wouldn't you agree, Wayne?
3: I would agree. It is about the strategy. The goal isn't to sue people. That's the last resort. So right. you want to look at what do you do first? You first, you try to license. But yes, if they're Uh, the type of actors who are not going to be working with you, they don't show any respect for the system and collaboration, then, yes, you're going to have to do a lawsuit to move forward and protect your rights.
1: All right, bring down the hammer at that point. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Right on. Okay, good. So we've had Wayne Carroll. He's talked a lot about intellectual property, patents, trademarks, copyrights, and about how he does it. We talked about international you know, copyright protection, patent uh, protection. We talked about how do you protect software? How do you prevent against rogue family members or employees that are out there and using your information against you? So we've, ta- we've caught a lot of ground here. And we all started with the LinkedIn and the lead generation and how you're using it to get clients right now. And we're going to wrap this up. And Wayne... If you were going to tell people about the Lead Mastermind Program that MojoVideoMarketing.com offers, what would you tell people out there that are trying to go after their target market and they're trying to get prospects and you know and really get as many appointments as possible? What would you tell to everybody out there about about that whole program? Well, I'd tie the two together
3: by saying the old adage that build a better mousetrap and they'll beat a path to your door is not true. It never or it hasn't been for many, many years. You have to market. You have to get your message out there. You need a way that's going to work, and Mojo Video Marketing works. It gets people to your door, because even if you've got the best thing since sliced bread, it's not going to get you clients just by having
2: it. Yeah, absolutely. You're you're exactly right, wouldn't you say, Ira? Absolutely, because you know one of the things Harvard Business Review just did a big story on the biggest mistake that business owners, startups make is they spend way, way too much time in product development, and by the time they switch gears and put on their marketing hats, uh, a lot of times these companies run out of they run out of cash and they're out of business before they went into business, and so it's all about the marketing. Well, thank you
1: very much, Mr. Ira Rosen, and also our very special guest Wayne Carroll. This is Corey Michael Sanchez. This has been the Mojo Marketing Edge. This has been fabulous. We didn't quite get into the whole follow up uh, in in this exact show, so we're actually going to continue on the conversation next week. We wanted to go into it this week, but looks like we'll just uh, we'll, we'll leave you waiting for that information about how to properly follow up with your leads and how to actually pre sell all your appointments before you get on a meeting with them. This is ex- an expressive, an important information you're going to get all in next week's show. So we'll see you here next time at the, at the same time, same, um, same station, and we are looking forward to it. Thank you so much and see you then. Thank you for listening today.
0: Please tune in to The Mojo Marketing Edge with Ira Rosen and Corey Michael Sanchez again next Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you next week.